So I'm going to do a quick little review before we get into tonight, because God has a word for you tonight. Come on, say God has a word for me. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that if you come to church with expectation that God would literally speak to you where you're at? You see, I don't know what you're going through, but the Holy Spirit does. And you got to come with an expectation. Every time the word is preached, say, God, speak to my issues. Speak to my, the things that I'm dealing with. Speak to my, my, uh, my problems. I need some solutions. So if you come in faith tonight, believing that God would speak to you and touch you, he will. If you came tonight with he- needing healing in your body, I believe we don't have to lay hands on you. But in the atmosphere, as the word being preached, you can be made well. Amen. We believe that. We believe, amen, that the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharp and it's alive and it can get into places and bring light into places that nothing else can. Come on. It is a work. It is not an old book. It is the book. And that's why you can read it every single year and get new stuff out of it. And so I declare God speak tonight in a mighty way. Lord, we thank you that your words would penetrate dark places in our lives. I thank you that we'd give it permission tonight to change everything about our life. We give it permission tonight to speak into our life. And we say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Come on, say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked about the series, Getting Your Voice Back. It's time to start speaking like God again. Will the real believers rise up? Amen. If there's ever a time for somebody to, thank you. If there's ever a time for the believers to rise up, it is now. Amen. And and, and God wants us to get our voice back, not just a voice, because there are plenty of voices in the world. But the kingdom brings a different voice. It cuts through the noise. Amen. It brings clarity. It brings hope. It brings healing. It brings conviction. And so I pray this convicts you tonight. Conviction is of God. Condemnation is from the enemy. Every time the word is preached, ask that it would convict you because he's only trying to trim things off you to make you more like him. Amen. Okay, so we're talking about getting our voice back. We said this. I'm going to quick review. If you haven't been in the services, you need to get online and listen to them. Okay, so we said this. The most important sermon you will ever preach is the one you preach to yourself. The greatest audience you will ever have is yourself. If you don't motivate yourself, Brian, you're not going to motivate somebody else. What the world needs is motivated believers who know who they are, who know whose they are, and know why they're here. We've all met the salesman that knocks on your door and is not very understanding of the product they're selling. You can see through it. Thank you. Come again. No, I don't need it. But you've met the guy that knows everything and will make you, will sell you your house even though you own it. It will handle, because they're convincing. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a confidence they have. Amen. And if it's, and, and today we need to be confident. So we also said this, that, uh, God is raising up a group of leaders who not only see it, come on with the eyes of faith, but have learned to speak faith. Hebrews, we said this by understand, we understand that the, the universe or the world was formed at God's command so that what is seen, come on, was not made of what is, uh, um, it was made of what, of, of what is visible. In other words, in the kingdom, the only way that the invisible becomes invisible is by your speaking. In the beginning, there was a problem, and the problem was called darkness. How did God deal with the darkness? He spoke. And God said, let there be light. So if you have darkness in your life, it is time to start speaking like God over the darkness. Because the word of God will bring light and expose things and show you the intentions of your heart. When it was more of you than you thought it was. Anybody been convicted by that? I have. So let it, let it do its work tonight. Amen. We said this, um, 
Remember the woman with the issue of blood, she'd been traveling around, spent all the money she had. And when she heard about Jesus, remember, she said to herself, if I can only touch his garment, I may, well, I would be, I will be well. Her sickness did not get Jesus's attention. It was her voice that day. And she said it to herself. She didn't say it to anyone else. She said it to herself. And what healed her body was her mouth. Her miracle was in her mouth. Her mouth got the intention of Jesus. In a crowd of a lot of people, one person got his attention and it was the voice of faith. But she didn't say it to anybody else. She said it to yourself. And it's time, Mark, to start saying things to yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and declare who you are in Christ. Why? Because sometimes you might be the only voice of encouragement you ever will have. I don't want to say that's not true because God will send people to speak into your life. But at times in life, there will be times that maybe you don't have those encouraging voices in Proverbs that it says a word fit spoke, a word fitly spoken in due season. And thank God for those moments. But God wants us to be able to still survive when those moments don't happen, that we can look in the mirror and encourage ourselves or a child of God, self who we are in Christ. And you can look at yourself and say, God's hand is on your life. You are a child of God. He is working things out for your good. He has not forgotten you. Come on, you got to encourage yourself because you might be the only person at times and that has to be enough. That's when maturity kicks in. That's when maturity kicks in. Listen, I, I don't, you don't have to say anything because I've been encouraging myself this morning. Thank you for that, but I already know who I am. You're, that's, why, that's why when a marriage couple gets together, they don't, they don't complete each other, they compliment because I ain't incomplete. I'm in Christ. Amen. Okay, let's keep going. So we said this last week in week two. We said, if you change the way you speak, you will change the way you live. Now, we're not just talking about finances and the bigger cars and the big house and the jacuzzis. Let's not think selfishly. You know what I mean by that is if you begin to speak differently, um, uh, you begin to change the way you live. Because last time I checked, you're not natural. You're supernatural. Amen. The Bible says that if you are a new creature, any new creatures in the house, if you're a new creature in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. We also said this, that in him we have found our identity. So listen, you are a new creature and you are you are something different than this world. Okay, and so we said this, um, that also in first Peter two, nine, that you are a chosen people. Come on, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I love this. A people belonging to God. Say, I belong to God. Oh, and it says that you may declare. So God has given you permission to declare some things. If anybody needs to have a voice in this world, it needs to be believers. Come on, if anybody needs to give direction, give clarity, give hope, it needs to be the sons and daughters of God. Everything else is just noise. And everything else, as the Bible says, is great swelling words of emptiness. It sounds great, but has no substance. The world sounds great, but they have no substance. That's why they're falling apart, making millions of dollars. But in these believers who not just know who they are, but they know whose they are, because that'll change the world. Okay, but notice we said this, that royalty. Remember, we also said that you are uh, one translation said a royal priesthood. Come on, say I'm royalty. Listen, royalty talks different. They don't talk like peasants. You are not a peasant. You are a child of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. As John G. Lake said, the substance of heaven lives in you. I broke the stage Sunday, so I got to be careful. So I got to walk over here. It says, John G. Lake said, the substance of heaven lives inside of you. That'll, that'll wake you up in the morning. 
When you ain't feeling it, look yourself in the mirror and say, the substance of heaven lives in you. Where you go, God goes. When you talk, God talks. When you're at Publix, God is in Publix. When you're at the gas station, God is at the gas station. Come on, when you're in Walmart, dear God, God is with you in Walmart. I always knock on Walmart. I'm sorry. But when you got Publix, why? You know what I mean? And then we said this, there is a way that the world speaks, but there is a way the people of God speaks, and it should be different. We said this, you are of God, little children. Therefore, one who speaks like God, those who know God, hear him. But those who speak like the world, the world hears them. We should not speak like the world. The way, when we are in the kingdom of God, we should be able to know whose we are and whose we are. And when we speak, it should sound different. It shouldn't blend it shouldn't sound the same. It shouldn't be, I think they're a Christian. I think they're different. No, 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 no. Jesus was different. There was no question who he was. They couldn't understand the fact that he was so different. The religious people were like, who is this guy? You know, he's healing people and, and miracles are happening. And they said, he's not like the other guys. He has such an authority about him. And he had a lot of haters. If everybody likes you and understands you, If you are living like Christ-like, if you're living Christ-like at your job around people that do not have God in you and there's no difference in their life because of your presence, are we blending? Jesus did not blend. He brought a new kingdom, a new government, a new way of thinking. He said, you have heard it said, but I say. In other words, stop listening to everything these jokers have said. I'm bringing a new and clearer way. It was very obvious who Jesus was. They had a lot of lovers and a lot of haters. And I believe if you're truly living like Christ, you'll have the same. You have people that just don't get you and that's okay. If lost people, if I can drive with lost people and we just sound the same and we talk the same and we laugh at the same jokes and there's no conviction with my presence, if they don't change the way, if there's not an uncomfortableness when they start talking wrongly, if that's a word, do you see what I'm saying? There should be a difference. There should be a difference. The kingdom doesn't blend with the world. A couple more things and we'll move on to tonight. Because we just getting started. It's time to start speaking who we are. It's time to start formally announcing some things. It's time to start looking yourself in the mirror. I'm declaring who you are in Christ. Not how you feel, but who you are. Don't declare how you feel, declare who you are. Don't declare how you feel, declare who you are. How do you find out who you are? You get in this Bible and you look at it because it's a mirror and it'll tell you how to dress, it'll tell you how to talk, it'll tell you how to walk. It'll tell you who you are. When you're feeling insecure about yourself, you'll find out how you can have security in yourself because we can be secure in Christ because you are fearfully, amen, and wonderfully made and you are a chosen generation. You've got great plans and God's not finished with you yet and God's hand is on your life. Come on, say his hand is on my life. Okay, a couple more. A couple more. This is so good. Remember, uh, this is when David remembered this, this wonderful psalm. And you got to read the Bible in context because you read things. You're like, oh, that's great. But look where it's coming from. The Bible's very deep. And it's very on purpose when it was wrote, how it was wrote. Okay, in Psalms 34, David said, um, um, and I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. Remember, we read this last week. It shall continually be in my mouth. In other words, not just on Sunday, but every day. Not just when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. Not when it just feels right. Anybody can praise God during a worship service, but God don't care about that to an extent. God wants you to start having a worship service outside these walls. Anybody can say amen to a sermon, but are you saying amen when, no, when there's no preacher pumping you up? Are you looking yourself in the mirror and say, God's not finished with you yet? 
And so thank God for amen. So please say amen. Please shout. If you want to run, if you want to dance, do what you want. But we got to do it outside these walls, amen? Because we're called to influence the world, not just these walls. Okay, so we said, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We read that verse and as beautiful as it is, but it was not written. It was not written. It was not writ. Sorry, I went to, I went to, I went to high school, I promise. I didn't go to college because I went to Ramah, which is different. So anyways, but he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. This song was not wrote, written. What is it? Wrote or written? Written? Written. Thank you. Thank you. Can you bring me up just a hair? Just a hair. This, thank you. The song was not written in the valley when it was beautiful or on a mountaintop. When it was beautiful and the birds were chirping and, and, and people were saying, David, David. No, this song, Psalm was wrote in a cave. This song was wrote when a king, a king who had a call of God in his life, who was anointed as king, as a young man, a king was on the run and a king was on the run for his life. And the man of God he was serving faithfully was trying to kill him. This was not a very convenient time. It was a very distressing time for David. And he, he found himself in a cave with a bunch of, was it 300? depressed, broke, um, weird, 400, thank you, men who didn't know who they were. The Bible says they were distressed. They were in debt. They had drama in their life. A bunch of kids from different mamas, all these things. I just added that. It's okay. But they were distressed in a very uh, trying time, and they looked to David as their leader, and in a nasty, smelly cave, a king wrote a song. And he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will magnify the Lord. Oh, come, let us exalt his name together. He didn't write it on the mountain. He wrote it in a cave. And if you can't write a song in a cave, God will never let you write a song on a mountain. If you can't write a song when it's inconvenient and nobody wants to hear it, but the faithful David, the shepherd boy, was in a nasty cave, a king who was probably wondering, what am I doing? Why am I here? God, what are you doing? But in the moment of confusion, in the moment of calamity, he began to open up his mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. Your miracle, and I, man, I love this, and this is such a punchy in the gut statement. David didn't wait for a good opportunity. He made one. He didn't wait for a good opportunity. He made one. And I believe that's a word for some people. You got to start waiting for a good opportunity. You got to make one. You got to say, now's a good time. Oh, it looks like garbage. I know. I don't understand what's going on. God, I don't know what you're doing. But you know, I'm going to make an opportunity. I'm going to make a worship service right here. And you can look at me, but I'm going to lift my voice. And I'm going to worship. Why? Because I got to get my perspective back. Oh, you got to make an opportunity. If you just wait for the opportunity, it'll never come. And God doesn't want you to, uh, ha, 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 I don't know what that is, but ha. We have to make the opportunities. You got to make them. You can't wait till you fill it. You got to say, you know what? God, I don't know what you're doing. I trust you. I know you're never going to leave me. So instead of just focusing on my cave, and the fact that I'm a bunch of, bunch of people that I don't know what's going on. You're a, I'm a king. God, I killed Goliath. I'm the champion. People are singing my songs. People are singing about me and talking about me. And, and you know, and I'm in a cave. God, God knew exactly what he was doing. God was testing his character. 
Because there was a process before David was anointed king, before he was literally the king. There was a process. And so you understand there's a process, but what you do in the middle is very important. All right, we got to move on. Say, move on. So you can't wait for a good opportunity. You got to bless. You got to make one. Oh, and I hope you get, you got to make one. 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 In a great chaotic moment, in the hospital room, when the doctor gives you a negative report, make an opportunity. I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm going to make an opportunity here. When your finances look bad, I'm telling you, quit. I, God knows your finances, and faith is not denial. I don't have problems. I don't, no, no. Your, your finances are a wreck, but get in faith about it. God, what can you do? I'm a tither. If I tithe, God, you are working things out. Oh, and I thank you. You have never left me nor forsaken me. Come on. And you got to remind yourself of who you are in the cave. All right. Tonight. Come on, say tonight. Let's go to Philippians chapter one as we wrap this series up, getting your voice back. If there's ever a time for the real believers to stand up, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. Lift your voice, because if not, Roseanne Barr will. Right? Will the real believers stand up? Bring some clarity to the chaos in the world. <laughs> Come on, the world needs some clarity. And Jesus brought clarity. Jesus, come on, you've got, come on, say, I've got clarity in my lips. Did you know that you are, you, you have, you, you are an answer to someone's problem? I said, you are. You say, well, I thought God is. Didn't, isn't God in you? And where you go, God goes? And you have the same spirit? So no, you are an answer to humanity. You are, you, you are born at this generation and this time on purpose. Maybe your parents didn't plan, but you're not an oops to God. God knows what he's doing and he can work things out for your life. Okay, so are you there? I'm, I'm, uh, Philippians 1.27, don't, don't, I'm not going to let you read it yet. Come on, like in class, you know, they say, don't read ahead. So don't read ahead on me, okay? I'm going to explain a couple things, you know. Philippians 1.27, because I want to give you some context of where this verse came from. Remember, when you read a verse, take a few moments and read the chapter before and the chapter after so you can find out what's going on. <laughs> don't just take a verse like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply it to my life. Apply it to your life, but find out what it means, where it came from, how it came from, because it'll bring more conviction and more power. Because some of you probably didn't know that that psalm, I will bless the Lord, was written in a nasty cave. If you didn't know that, raise your hand. Now you know. So it's good to read the Bible. Amen? Yeah. Read the Bible. So Philippians 1.27, but before we read that, um, I want to kind of <clears throat> give some context about this verse. This is the book of Philippians, and this is wrote from Paul. And Timothy, and they are encouraging the church of Philippi, or the people of Philippi. They're encouraging some people. So Paul and Timothy are encouraging. The Bible says they're encouraging the saints, which means the believers. Okay? The church folk, the deacons, you know, um, the overseers. They're encouraging them. And this is where the verse, if you read at the beginning, of, and I'm, just, I'm just paraphrasing. Don't feel like you have to follow along yet. Just listen. Um, <clears throat> but in the first chapter of Philippians, he's encouraging the people of Philippi, this is where the verse comes and it says, you know, for he's done a good work in you. It says he has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. So he's encouraging the church. Um, you know, also why he's writing this, just to let you know he's actually in prison. The Bible says he's in chains for doing what? Preaching the gospel. I thought following God was going to be easy. It's easy when you do it through him. But just because you have struggles and chains on your hands does not mean you're not following God. Here's Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, encouraging the people of Philippi, and he is in chains. God, don't you care? And also, as he's writing this letter and having chains on his hands, he's dealing with people that are preaching the Bible out of selfish ambition. 
This is when he said, you know, some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Some preach for these things. But listen, you know, what I've came to the conclusion, whether Christ is preached in this, I rejoice. This is where this story comes from. Okay. Uh, and here we have in verse 20. He kind of has a moment where he starts kind of just like talking to himself in the scripture. He's, he's encouraging the people of Philippi. And then he kind of just has a moment where he's like talking to himself. If you go there to Philippians 1.20, just before 127, just a little bit down. It says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. He's kind of like talking to the people, but talking to himself, you'll, you'll see. I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or if I die. For to me, living for Christ and dying is even better. Verse 22, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm actually kind of torn between these two desires. I long to be with Christ, which is far better, but, but, I've realized, but I've decided, but for your sake, it is better that I stay. So he's kind of having this internal conflict of, you know, I kind of want to go to heaven because it's awesome to see my creator, but I realize if I do that, that might be a little selfish because what's better is that I'm here for you. Verse, notice how unselfish he was. Here's a guy in prison wearing chains thinking about somebody else. And you thought you had a bad day. Because it says in verse 24, but for your sakes. Wow. We can learn from that verse. But for your sakes. In other words, it's not about me. Because I want to go on, bro. I want to see my maker. But you know what? That's not about me. And that's what my grandmother said. That's why I'm still alive. Because it's not about me. Because she said, God needs me here, Marcus. I said, Gami, you're right. She's 89 years old. And she could go on, but she realizes God needs me here. I'm a witness in this place. She's not just watching Oprah and taking a pension. She is leaving tracks all over the nursing room. And they might think she's crazy, but she knows exactly what she's doing. And that's the reason she's alive. So, but he says, verse 24, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Verse 25, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain. So he's, he's kind of realized, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to hang out with you guys. Okay. And I'm going to continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Wow. So thank God, Paul, he made his decision. So in a moment, he's kind of having this conversation. And let me go to verse 27. Are you there? He says, whatever happens, Again, remember where he's at. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I love this verse. Oh, man. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. In other words, act like God right now. No matter how you're feeling, act like the greater one who is inside of you. Come on, come on. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. WWJD, what would he do in your life right now? He says, whatever happens, act like God. I understand what's going on in your life. And he's not, you know, and he's speaking from the place where he's at. But he says, listen, act like God right now. Whatever happens, and has anybody ever had a whatever moment? You had a, you can feel in that blank of what just happened. God, what was that? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. One translation says, conduct yourselves as a citizen of heaven. Yes. Conduct yourself like royalty. Yes. You are a child of God. Act like it right now. Act like it. Come on, pull your boots up, smile, look yourself in the mirror and act like God for a moment. Yes. Okay, so he's, he's, he's encouraging the church or the people of Philippi. And he says, um, verse 
then whether I come or see or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Man. Verse 28. And without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer. That doesn't sound very fun. But also to suffer, since you are going through the same struggle. Whoa, whoa. Suffer? struggle, he says, you were going through the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Listen, Paul had some struggles. The struggle is, Paul had some struggles, but I thought he was following God's plan for his life. Here he is in prison, wearing chains. People are talking about him, uh, using the name of Jesus for selfish ambitions, and he's having some struggles and he's encouraging some people. But thank God, even through his struggles, he's about to give us the answer. Oh, man, this is, this is where we're going tonight. Because I would love to say that it got better for Paul, but it didn't. It didn't. It actually got actually a little worse. But he's going to give us a solution. He's not just going to leave us in his problems. See, the world, offers, the world has problems, but they don't offer solutions. The kingdom offers solutions. Come on, look how Jesus was anointed of God. What about he had compassion. Compassion brings change. Okay, so here we go. And here we go for tonight. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. So I cite all that. that to say, to get us here. So he's going through some things. And before we read this, let me continue to read on. This is the last book of Philippians. So here we are in the chapter two and three. And here we have the story where he's wanting to send Timothy to encourage people, but he realizes he can't because everyone around him is selfish. This is Paul. Listen, you got to understand where this verse is coming from. Paul is wanting to send people, send Timothy. He's an overseer and he's wanting to send somebody to check on the, God, the, the, the people of God that he's been serving. But he says, listen, I can't because everyone else is selfish and has other agendas and they don't preach Christ. Everyone, all my followers are wanting to get on TBN and have this major ministry before they, they, they you know, they want to get in ministry before they do ministry. They want to have a name before they glorify thee name. And so he's saying, listen, I'm trying, I'm struggling, man. I want to send you somebody. I want to send you some help, but I can't. The only person I have is Timothy. Okay. So as this is going on, then Ephroditus, he said, who's Ephroditus? If the Bible says it was one of his fellow brothers, he almost dies. Read the Bible. This is literally happening. Paul's trying to send aid to the churches. And then his right man hand almost dies for serving while serving the Lord. And he says, thank God he didn't die because then I would have sorrow upon sorrow. Basically, Paul's saying, thank God he didn't die because all this craziness going on, I don't know if I could have handled that too. He said that in the midst of all this turmoil, one of his brothers almost dies. That's going to jack with you if you let it, right? Okay, and, and even as this is happening, and then all of a sudden the Bible says that he's having to warn people because false teachers are coming in and evil manipulators are coming in and trying to pervert the gospel behind him because he's in prison and people are going ahead of him and perverting truth. This is a struggle that our apostle Paul is having. And at the very end of Philippians chapter four, he says, even with tears, I must say that the closest friends have now become enemies of the cross. For they have served the appetite, they're, they're serving the God of their belly, which means they are serving their appetite, their ways, and their desires. Listen, I'm going through some struggles here. I'm going through some real things. My brother's almost dying. People are preaching the gospel on the wrong motives. I can't send anybody to help. God, what are you doing? And then he writes a wonderful verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice. 
I just spit in my eye. Wow. <laughs> Never done that. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. Come on. Always. Listen, read this verse, but understand what's happening. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Always. Listen, this man knew the importance of his mouth. He understood the importance of his mouth. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will even say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Come on. Don't be anxious about anything. If someone was able to be anxious, he, he, I'm sure he tempted with being anxious. But in every situation, does it say that? Come on. Every, in whatever moment, Brian, when it seems like it's not working out, in every situation, by prayer and your petition and with your thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace and the peace of God. Notice that the peace of God will only come when you begin to lift your voice to God. Peace will not come unless you lift your voice. He says, uh, okay, where are we at? And with thanksgiving, present your request and the peace, okay, which transcends all understandings, which means you don't have to take a pill. Come on, the world can't offer this. It'll get you so peaceful and, and full of joy that nothing can offer, nothing can touch it. It'll guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brethren, sisters, whatever's true, noble, I'm speeding ahead on purpose, right? Come on, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, what's admirable, if anything excellent, excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these such things. We're just getting started. But what you have learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, put them into practice. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, put in practice. This guy is giving a very motivational, encouraging, spirit-filled speech from a jail cell wearing prison shackles. It doesn't sound like he's wearing shackles. It sounds like he's actually pouring his heart into somebody. And saying, I'm in the cave, you know, I'm in the cave right now. But, you know, I'm not going to stay in the cave because my mouth will get me out of this cave. Okay, let's keep going. Here we go. Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned. Come on. I have learned. This is maturity. I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance Whatever, whatever happens, you can leave me, you can fail me, you can curse my mama. I will rejoice in the Lord at all times. Okay, he says, be content in every circumstance. And I, and, uh, and I know what it is to be in need, obviously. And I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret. Come on, we're, gonna, we're giving secrets tonight. I'm about to give you a secret tonight. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Come on. Whether well-fed or whether hungry, living in plenty or living in want. Listen, here's the secret. And here's the secret. He finishes the entire book of Philippians and makes this wonderful statement. And he says, and I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. What a confession. At the end of the drama, at the end of the persecution, at the end of the confusion, he said, listen, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me me strength. What a confession. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. After all the mess, after the being lied about, after my brother almost dying, after almost the fact that I'm trying to realize if I still even want to be alive or if I want to follow God, all these people perverting the gospel behind me. I'm literally in chains. But you know what? I have learned this. I can do this. Come on, say, I can do this. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I can do this. 
Come on, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because he realized where his strength came from. It wasn't in who he was. He said, I can do this. Oh, get this tonight. You got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to say, I can do this. Oh, God's hand is on my life. Oh, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what you say. I'm moved by what I believe. And I believe that I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. Why? Because Christ is strengthening me. I can do this. Come on, say, I can do this. Shout, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. You got to look at yourself and say that. He didn't wait for an opportunity. He made one. He said, I can do this. And you've, we've just read it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which is true. And, but look at where he came from. He said, I can do all this. What is this? The call of God on his life. I'm preaching my bracelet off. I'm spitting my eye. I'm preaching. Good Lord. It's happening. He says, I can do this. I really believe that's a word for some people. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Not just in, see, that's, that's what the world, they offer just self up. You can do it. You can, you can't do it outside of him. You can only do it through him. And that's why Paul gave a solution. I can do all things through Christ because he knew whose he was and whose he was. He knew that his security and his freedom and his confidence came in God. Will the children of God stand up? You can do this. Oh, you can do this. When the devil says you can't do it, you yell at him and say, I can do this. Oh, oh, I can do this. When your marriage seems like it's failing, I can do this. When your finances feel like they're failing, I can do this. When your destiny seems dark, Brian, shout, I can do this. Oh, because I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it through him. And he is the alpha, come on, and the omega, the beginning and the end, the beginning and the end. Which means he knows what's happening in my life in the season you're in. He knew where Paul was at, but he knew where he was going. And that's why you got to speak your voice because it helps paint perspective of where you're going. David said, I'm not staying in this, I'm not staying in this cave, bro. I'm a king. I'm a king. But if he dwelled on the cave, he would have stayed in the cave. Remember last year, there was a new season for him. It was the season of the sword. For those of you who don't know what that is. It's great. Whoa. Here's my, here, here, so here's the question. I can do all of these things, right? Here's the thing. What you say in the middle of your circumstances is very important. Write that down. Write that down. Steal your neighbor's pen. Write it on your arm. Get your phone. Listen, what you say in the middle of your circumstance is very important. What you say in the middle of your circumstance is very important because I'm going to tell you, it'll show you where you're at. You can tell a lot about hearing somebody speak, can't you? Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Listen, anyway, um, what, what you say in the middle of your circumstance is very important because listen, anybody can praise God at the beginning of something. Anybody can praise God at the beginning of something, at the end of something. But what are you doing in the middle? Anybody can praise God when you get a word. Anybody can praise God when that word comes to pass. But what are you doing in the middle? What are you doing when you don't see it coming to pass? What are you doing where God's told you some things, but it's just not making sense? I tell you, it's time to lift your voice and say, I can do this. Anybody can praise him. But what are you doing in the middle of your circumstances? When God said, but you don't see the end result, and it's just you walking this thing out. What do you do? 
I'm telling you, you lift your voice and you look yourself in the mirror and you encourage yourself in the Lord and you say, I can do this. I can do this. And it's a training that has to be developed. It's a training. For those of you in the service, you went through training. If you do any type of anything, there's a training. And you've got to train yourself. You've got to train your tongue. Oh, you've got to train your tongue. You've got to train your tongue. Because it's not going to come. You're not just going to naturally speak like God. You're going to naturally speak like a carnal man. But you are not a carnal man. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. So you have to train your tongue to talk like God. You got to train your tongue. It's not going to naturally, you're not going to wake up and speak like God. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes putting down your flesh. It takes turning off the television. It takes cutting this junk out of your life that's speaking into your life. You got to turn the news off. You got to turn the music off. You got to get on your knees and get in the word of God and find out who you are so you can train your tongue. You got to learn to talk different. You got to, Jesus spoke differently. There was something about his speech, the way he spoke hope in the situations when everyone else left the room and he said, only believe. Only believe that was a person who knew who he was and whose he was and what he was doing. The world has plenty of confused believers. You got to train our tongue. You got to train it. You know, my mama trained my tongue with a bar of soap. And they'd rake it across your teeth. That was really bad. Has anybody ever got soap in the mouth? You know, I'd beg, please do the, the pump soap. But no, she'd get the bar, rake it on my teeth, you know. And it was kind of cool because I got to do that to Jonah recently. It was kind of cool. Because I was like, hey, you know, because he said a, a bad word, not a curse word, just said something, being a smart mouth. I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train him, you know. But that's what we got to do. We got to train ourselves, man, to speak like God because this thing is nasty. This thing will get you in a lot of trouble. This thing will get you in a lot of trouble. This thing will keep you on the earth or keep you out of the earth. This thing will bring blessings to your family or cursings to your family. This thing will, will, will help you or hurt you. This thing is more than tasting things. There's power in this thing. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I don't believe it's coincidence that my 89-year-old grandmother called me on Saturday morning to say God has kept me alive because of my mouth. Because if she was bitter and complaining, she would be dead. If she was just, you know, I'm 89, I'm just going to whatever, you know, party it up and just live life in a nursing home. I don't know. <laughs> but she knew that God needed her mouth. And that's the reason she's alive. I have a goal to live 101 years old. That's my personal goal. That's my personal goal. Now, I got to do some things to make that happen. I got to train some things, okay? That's why I, I, I encouraged you last week. You need to have a confession for your life. Get one. I have one, and I'm trying to get faithful to say it every day. I probably say it 99% of the time, but I'm learning to say it every day because I have to remind myself of who I am. Right. I can look myself in the mirror and say, God's not finished with you, and I have a personal confession. If you weren't here <clears throat> yesterday, I said, Lord, I thank you that when people see me, they see the love and the compassion and the demonstration and the integrity and the excellence and the presence of Jesus Christ. And then I got one from Rhema that I ripped off and added to, and it said this, that you're quick and you're sharp and you're good looking and you're a major blessing and you're fun to be around and you're flexible and you have a great attitude. Why? Because sometimes I don't feel flexible. Sometimes I, have a, I feel like I have a bad attitude. Sometimes I don't feel happy. Sometimes I want to punch you in the throat. But I got to remind myself, and I can't be immature and, and, and live by how I feel. I got to train my tongue. And when my kids are acting like the devil, I have to tell them who they are, not who they, who they, how they're acting. That's why you got to lay your hands on your kids and tell them who they are. 
Look at him and say, you're a man of God. God's going to use you. God's going to use you one day. Get a confession for your life. Get a confession for your family. Get it. Write it. Say it. It's not going to be convenient, and you're going to find 7,000 more things to do. Netflix will be way more appealing than that. But I encourage you, Netflix will not keep you on this earth. Speaking God's word over your life will keep you on this earth. And has anybody got some things they need to do for the Lord? Yeah? I'm not ready to go to heaven. Heaven can wait because heaven don't need me there. Heaven needs me here, and heaven needs you here. So if you want to stay here, start speaking like God. Because if you just start speaking like the world, God can take you home. Because if you sound like the world, you're making no impact. You got to train your tongue. Turn your neighbor and say, train your tongue. All right, let's move on. Is this helping you tonight? Great. Good. Hallelujah. All right, let's keep going. Here we go. Luke, no, yes. Luke chapter 8. What you do in the middle is very important, church. Anybody can praise God when you got a word. Woo, hallelujah. Anybody can praise God when that word comes to pass. Woo, hallelujah. But what are you doing in the middle? See, right now with this ball, we're in the middle. God gave us a word, and it hasn't physically happened, and so we're in the middle. So what we do right now is extremely important. It's a win or lose, right? It's win or lose, and it's not up to God. God has already told us the end result. God has already told us he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. There is a middle. And what you do in the middle is extremely important. It's crucial for your life. Some of you are in the middle place. And I'm telling you, your miracle and your sanity is in your mouth. Oh, it's in your mouth. And when it doesn't look like it's happening, oh, that's when you got to get in the word of God and say, God, show me, speak to me. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I'm going to declare some things. I don't feel like it right now, but don't, I'm telling you, faith will come because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and that is the word of God. And so many times we just think about it like this, which we can. Oh, that's a good preacher. Yeah, faith's coming to hearing. But I'm telling you, faith will come by hearing when your own ears hear your own mouth. And so you got to start speaking to yourself. You got to make an opportunity. Wow, I just feel like garbage right now. Well, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to tell myself who I am, not how I feel. Luke chapter 8, are you there? Verse 22. Man, we're doing good on time. You guys doing okay? You ready to go home? Okay, good. You know, that's funny. We say those dumb things like, what are you going to say? Yes, you know. (laughs) We say those things, you know. You guys love Jesus? No, okay. (laughs) You know, we say those dumb things that we know the answer. Are you ready to worship? <laughs> you know, so. But even if you don't, you're just, at least you're, you're confessing and you're training your mouth. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to. Hallelujah. And that's, that doesn't mean you're fake. That means you're real. Because the last time I checked, the Bible says you got to put on. I feel so fake. No, no, you're just doing what the Bible says. Put it on, put it on, put it on, put it on. Your praise will ever be. Don't wait for a good opportunity to put it on. It'll never come. Acting like God is not convenient. Speaking like God is not convenient. You'll find a hundred million things to say other than that. Luke chapter eight. This is a great verse. Luke chapter eight, verse 22. Are you there? Are you there? Come on, one day, one day, just one day, just an ordinary day. Nothing special about this day. Remember we said a couple months ago, when's the last time you looked for the super in your natural? Here's just a normal natural day. But if you just get up every day, believing that it can be a supernatural day, it can be. You will have what you say. So here we just one day, one just normal day. So side note, look for the super in tomorrow. One day Jesus said to his disciples, come on, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. Yay. 
And they sailed across. Ooh, I forgot to put emphasis on a word. Let's go back. Jesus, what did he say? Jesus said, I got it bold in my sermon. Jesus said, Jesus said, this is very important. Jesus said, hey guys, listen, let's go to the other side. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Why? It wasn't because he was tired. Because when a word is spoken, rest is next. Come on to your neighbor and say, rest is next. When God speaks a word, it's time to rest. See, when Je- the reason Jesus laid down, because he already told him what to do. When a command is spoken in faith, we agree with it, we believe it, but then rest is next. We believe it. Say, yes, Lord. You see, with this small, we're not having to fight and say, God's working things out and, you know, pulling strongholds. He already did this. And he's already told us what to do. We're not fighting this. We're just thanking him for this. We're resting in what God said. We're not trying to make it happen. We're following his plan. And we're resting. We're not in stress. How's it going to work out? Who in the world knows? But that's not up to us. It's not up to us. It's up to us to rest and believe. And speak faith and walk on the mall and say, welcome to Anchor Faith Church. Oh, you ain't going to get it. Welcome to Anchor Faith Church. And the devil say, it's not going to happen. Hey, welcome to Anchor Faith Church. And, pe- and God will send people and the devil will send people to this church to tell you how it's not going to happen. You say, welcome to Anchor Faith Church. And the devil will send people to make up lies about the church. And, and hey, but guess what? Hey, welcome to Anchor Faith Church. You're not going to get them all. Guess what? You know, you're right. I can't do it. But with God, I can do this. I can do this. Okay, so let's move on. So why? It's because when a word is spoken, there's rest. But soon, a fierce storm came down from the lake. Woo, scary stuff. A big storm came from the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. Notice the son, the all-knowing prophet, man of God, son of God. There's real danger going on, and he's sleeping. The all-knowing son of God, there's calamity and danger and they're freaking out and they're throwing things overboard and they're probably getting sick and puking all over the place and it's really dangerous place and Jesus is asleep. Notice he's not getting up and doing something. Why? Because he already spoke a word. So God spoke. They're on the journey. They're in the middle. What you do in the middle is very important. What you do in the middle is very, 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 come on, say it's the middle. So notice God's asleep. Does he not care? What's going on, Jesus? Get up. Verse 24, the disciples went and they woke him and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked, are you following me? Great. He rebuked the wind. He spoke, one translation says, spoke and said, peace, be still. He didn't just get up and go. He spoke. He was giving them a kingdom principle that what you say, you can have. And he was speaking something and he said, peace, be still. He rebuked the winds and the waves and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? And the Bible says, this is so funny. The disciples were terrified and amazed. What does that look like? I mean, what is it? You're terrified, but amazed. You you know why they were terrified? Because they thought he was mad. He wasn't mad, but you know why they were amazed? Because they realized, oh my God, it really works. 
But why was Jesus upset? Was it because his sleep schedule got off? No, he was upset because they weren't speaking like God. Oh, come on. He was upset because they didn't get up and stand on the boat and say, peace, be still. Do you really think that Jesus would have been upset if he got up and he said, listen, Jesus, he went crazy for like an hour. But guess what? We got up and spoke to him. What do you think he would have done? Well done. Oh, my God. They're kidding. You guys are not that stupid. It's working. Thank you, Lord. He would have been pleased. He would have been thankful. He would have said, come on. That's it. That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been saying. Oh, he would have been encouraged. He would have been pleased. And here's my question to you. Oh, oh, how many times are we waking God up and asking him to take care of things that he's told us to speak to? How many times are we trying to wake God up about an issue that he already told you what to do? God, come on, help me. He said, I sent my word. Help me, God. Help me. Oh, come on, I need you. He said, are you kidding me? I'm seated right now. I'm seated at the right hand of God. Tag, you're in. It's your turn. It's your time to walk this thing out. Don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. You got this. Stand up. You got this. You got this. A lot of times we're running to God and he's saying, why are you running to me? I've already given you my authority. I've given you my power. You do something. You stand up. You speak like God. You go get it. Let your, let, this is your time. This is your destiny. This is your moment. Quit asking God to take care of stuff when he's put everything inside you to take care of everything you ever need. You are supernatural. You're a child of God. His spirit lives in you. And I'm telling you, that's why us as believers, that's why Mar Pastor Marcy messed up the weather on Sunday. I love rain. So I was trying to be in agreement. I was. I was. I was. You know, I'm a rain guy. I like rain. Not because I'm depressed. I just like rain. If I wasn't born again in the ministry, I would be a storm chaser. I would. <laughs> I've seen Twister too many times. And it's great. The point is, is that why, why did the weather get all messed up? Was it coincidence? No. Nah because somebody learned to speak faith to a storm. How come hurricanes can come here and just dissolve and wiggle and go other ways? It's not coincidence. And the storm, if you listen to the news, you're all going to die. Get out, get out. And they're going to tell you all these things and they're going to give no hope. It happens. Remember? Remember last year? He literally said, you're all going to die and your children too. Are you serious? Who says that? I mean, how are you still employed? Your children are going to die. I mean, that is like terrifying. I just, I, but listen to the world. They have fear and they have been given a spirit of fear. So they speak like the world. But that's why it needs to be children of God that can stand up and go on the beach and say, peace, be still. You're not going to come here and mess up our city. No, no, you're, this rain's not going to come and mess up our roof anymore. No, no, no. We, I understand we need rain at times. But right now it's been too much. And so we say, no, peace, be still. And notice Memorial Day, it was actually really nice. It's not coincidence. And I'm telling you, your miracle's in your mouth and you can start speaking to storms. You don't have to, you're not subject to the environments that you live in. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are a citizen in heaven and you have been given dominion on this earth and you can look at tornadoes. You can look at things and tell it to go in Jesus' name. That's why you can get in your yard and pray over your grass and you can pray over your house. And that's why when we had a hurricane we, um, last year, or the, 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 whatever it came, I remember I got my son. I said, this is a teaching lesson. Come here, Jonah. I need, you're going to be Jonah. Come on, Brian. You're Jonah for a second. A very buff Jonah. <laughs> Hold my hand like a little kid. There we go. And I begin to, I, 
I began, to, I began to walk with Jonah. I said, Jonah, come on, we're going to lay hands on the house. And we laid hands on the house. We said, in Jesus' name, this will stand. And we began to do this. And it was a teaching lesson. And I began to lay hands on things. And we kept laying hands on our house and our porch and every little thing. And the God spoke to us and said, he will shut you in. Remember like Noah? Thank you, Jonah. But we began to lay hands on things. And we said, listen, this is, this is so powerful. Not, it's not bragging. It's bragging on the word of God. I said, Jonah, we're going to believe God because God told us to stay. You know what? This is our house. God gave us this house. There's no way we could have got this house. It's a miracle we got this house. It wasn't because of my credit. It wasn't because of, it was because of the fact that I did Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 6, 33. That if you seek first, whatever you need will be added to you. I needed a place to stay and it was added. So we began to lay hands on the house and we said, in the name of Jesus, not even one shingle will come off this house. I said, and, then, and I, I spoke it to him. Why? Because a true, confident believer is not going to say these prayers that leave up for, uh, for things to happen. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we make these prayers. God, just touch him and do something. Be specific. In Jesus' name, I curse this disease and I command God, heal them completely whole. Don't say these prayers that leaves us so open that if God doesn't do it, you don't look weird. Be specific. God didn't say, he said, peace, be still. They knew what he was talking about. And his confidence made the storms obey. And his confidence got God to move. So we laid hands on the house. <clears throat> and whatever the next day was, the hurricane came, you know, it was pretty, or the, whatever it was in the storm. And, you know, it was intense for a little bit. But we had a word. And we prayed. The next morning, there were shingles all over the yard. <laughs> all over the yard. Um, you know, first I had a moment like, okay, we prayed. <clears throat> But I went out to inspect. There were shing my neighbor's shingles were gone. Not all, but a lot. My neighbor, gone. Neighbor, gone. Shingles all in my yard, but not one of them was from our home. I don't believe that's coincidence. I believe that's us as believers learning to have our authority. And I'm telling you, if a shingle is important to you, it's important to him. Because God gave me those shingles and God's not in destruction. God is not making me spend $90 and fix a roof that I have no idea how to do it. And I will call somebody and they will charge me way more than it's supposed to. And I will say yes, because I have no idea what that even means. So God doesn't want me to lose money. God wants us to use our authority as believers to lay hands on things. That's why you can, you can lay hands on your cupboards and say, in the name of Jesus, multiply. Why don't we start speaking this way? I'm telling you, if it happened in the Bible, it can still happen today, right? And so we hear these stories, but I'm telling you, there's miracles that God wants to write for your life, but we're waking him up and asking him to do things. And he says, speak. Look at your cupboard. Multiply in Jesus' name. That's weird. That's kingdom. It's foolishness to the world, and you won't understand it. You think I have to, you think I have to buy it to have it. If the Lord has to, if the Lord has to send a, a little sack in a dog's mouth and bring it to you, he will. Use your authority. Use your mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. What are you doing in the middle? You're waiting to see it. You speak. You speak now. Speak now. When you're on the boat and all calamity seems like, God, what are you doing? God's asleep. And notice he ain't waking up to help you because he already did the one thing to help you. He gave you his word. And it's time to start speaking. That's my tab. That's my sign for tab. I don't know where she's at. Thank you. Is this helping you tonight? 
So I was asking God how to wrap this thing up because we're closing. Because I didn't get to some of the verses I wanted to get to. Hmm. Let me give you a couple verses about the tongue. It's really powerful, okay? A couple, like three more verses and we're closing. Proverbs 6 verse 2. This is so good. Let me encourage you. You need to get in the Bible every day of your life. I'm serious. This church has a Bible plan that'll help you. Do that. But go ahead and just, you know, we got what, 31 days in a month, usually 30. Isn't there 31 Psalms? 30? 31? I've been, yeah, that's right, Proverbs 31, the women. Yeah. I've been reading Psalms every day for years. Start there. Get in the word of God daily because it's going to teach you how to talk. Isn't it amazing how just you read the word of God and just things come. It encourages you, but it's not going to make it get in you. you. You have to get in and dig and find and come with the heart saying, God, speak to me today. Because when you read the word of God, when you read the word of God, it teaches you how to talk. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 6, 2. Proverbs, it says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. In other words, you are trapped by the words of your mouth. You know what a snare is? A snare is how you catch things. That you snares on catching prey. You are trapped by the words of your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat its fruit. Why? It says of the produce of your lips. Why do they say produce? Because your words are seeds. And there's death and there's life. And that's why you gotta be careful what you say. You gotta be careful what you say. I used to say this statement that I won't say, but I didn't realize the power of it. It just seemed goofy. I'll just say, I used to kind of as a joke, you're so stupid. I didn't mean like you're really stupid. I was kind of like, you're so goofy. You're so funny. But you understand what I'm saying? You're so stupid. I'm not trying to get all crazy like every, but. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if I'm not careful, what if I say that to my kids? Oh, you're Tony, you're so stupid. You got to watch what you say. Proverbs, this is so good. Well, two more and we'll close. Proverbs 13.3, man, this is so good. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. Woo, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who opens wide his lips. That means he who says anything, whatever you feel, whatever you, I just real. I'm telling you, you're real. I can't say it. See, you're real carnal, as Brother Marty would say. I'm just real. Don't be real. Be supernatural. Don't be carnal. You, you are a new creature. Speak like God. It says he who opened wide. In other words, if you just have no filter, you'll say anything. You'll watch anything. You'll communicate anything. No, but a man, a, a kingdom citizen realizes, no, I got to be careful what I say because I'll be judged, the Bible says, for every idle word I speak. The promises that I make and promises that I keep and don't keep. Last verse, and this is how we'll close. Luke six forty three. Luke 6, 43. A good tree can produce, can't produce bad fruit, okay? A, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Verse 44, a tree is identified by its fruit. Notice the tree is identified not by what kind of tree it is, but because of the fruit. You're identified by your fruit. 
Figs are never gathered from bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Verse 45, a good person, here we go, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So how do you change the way you speak? You have to change what's in your heart. How do you change what's in your heart? You got to change what you watch, what you do. How do you speak like God? You get in the word of God. You got to let this Bible be the loudest voice in your life. Because what you put in will come out. What you watch is very important. I'm not just saying we have to watch Disney all the time, but I'm telling you, as believers, we should have a filter. We shouldn't laugh at the things that the world laughs at because what you laugh at, you will accept. And what you watch, you entertain. And what you entertain, you will speak. So we have to let this word of God be the loudest voice in our life. I'm telling you, that's why I encourage you as we're closing every morning, Every day, you've got to get some type of routine to get in the word of God and spend time with him and talk with him and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I just want to say hello. I just want to welcome you. I just want to get my eyes on you. I just want to encourage you. And you can't just do it in church. That's easy. I'm talking about doing it on Monday and on Tuesday and on Thursday. And you've got to get in the word of God and you've got to get alone with God and you've got to let him and the words of God become your reality. And I'm telling you, it has to be more than just reading a scripture. I mean, you've got to get on your knees before God and say, God, I want to know you. You know, my greatest concern in life is knowing a lot about him, but not knowing him. That convicts me so much. I don't want to preach about him. I want to know him. I don't want to just preach scripture. I want to, I want to hear his voice. I want to sense his presence. I want to feel his touch. I'm not trying to get weird, but I, I, I want to, I want to know him. I want him to become my reality. I want to get so in tune with him that it's where does he begin and where do I stop? I just want to, I want to get so close and walk with him. But guys, that's not going to be convenient. But when you start doing that, you'll change what's in your heart. And when you change what's in your heart, you change what you speak. So how do you speak like God? You got to know him. You got to know him. If you're here tonight and you realize, man, I got to make a change. I'm not going to have you come because of time. But if you say, and, and this is believers, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking to believers. If you realize, man, I realize the reason my mouth is not where it is is because you know what? I'm not just daily getting on my knees. You don't have to get on your knees. I'm saying just daily have a, a communion with God. Start with five minutes. That's better than nothing. And say, Father, I just want to say good morning, even though you're not asleep. I just want to say good morning. I just welcome you. I just say, I love you. Get in the word of God and have a moment with God and begin to feed on the realities of God. Find out who you are in Christ because when you start hanging around with somebody, you start talking like him. And I'm going to tell you, you'll never talk like somebody you don't know. But when you know him, you speak just like him. When you know him, when you spend time with him, you, you get him. You understand his movements. You understand what he's saying. You understand what he loves. You understand what he doesn't love. What offends you, what offends him, offends you. It's that fluid relationship that you're one with him, that you don't just know about him, but you really know him.